Well, we are continuing our series. We just have a, a few weeks left. We're almost done. As we look at Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to use a Bible on your pew rack there, it's on page 1008. That's where we're going to be. Uh, and if you don't have a Bible at home, please take that one. Uh, that's why they're there. They're, for their, they're there for you to use. Everyone needs a Bible. Uh, take that Bible home and uh, use it. And we'll, we'll, don't worry about leaving an empty slot in the pew rack. We'll put another one there. We've got more. Uh, but we'll be Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, the guy, whoever wrote Hebrews, this whole section is about faith and people who walked in faith and what they did. And as we, we've explored, we've discovered, you know, all of these people are very flawed people. None of them are perfect. They all have problems. They all have areas where they mess up and do things that are not great. Uh, that were not great by their standards and not great by our standards several thousand years later. But they still had moments where they experienced faith. And, and in that, we can all relate. That we, can, we all mess up and we all have, have moments where we, we do things that are not great. But we can still have great faith. And in that faith, how we act, how we live in faith can be a blessing to those around us. And so I want you to think for a second. Is there anybody that would come to mind who is a person who, once you leave their presence or once you leave in a conversation with them, you always feel blessed? Like you experience it and you walk away almost with a smile on your heart because you feel blessed. Just being around them has blessed you. Maybe it's been somebody you go to their house to bring them a casserole after some you know, bad thing that's happened, and that's what we do as Baptists, we take casseroles to people, and, and you go and you take, but you go to minister to them, but you feel, you leave feeling more ministered to. It's somebody whose life just exudes blessing. You always come away feeling better than when you went. You know, sometimes that can be family. Maybe family you haven't seen for a while, and you go and you spend time with them, and you go back to the real life, but you leave feeling blessed, experiencing that glow of blessing. And there's always people like that. And I, 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 I think of people like that, and I think, how, how do they do it? How, like, how are they so joyous? How, do, how does the blessing just like, flow out of their, you know, pores and leak onto everybody else. Uh, I was like, uh, it came to my mind um, this morning, actually. Um, I was telling somebody this week in a meeting, we were talking about some stuff for next summer, and I mentioned this uh, uh, person who would be a good help, and I got to thinking about this person this morning, and uh, that just being around this guy, you can't help but feel blessed. Like, you can't help but feel joy, because it just pours out of him onto everybody else. You feel blessed. You feel encouraged. You feel a stronger believer just having been around this person and soaking up their energy kind of a deal. Well, we, the author of Hebrews goes into very quickly three people here in Hebrews chapter 11 talking about their faith being used to bring a blessing to others. So we're going to look at that. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22. We're going to read all three verses. It says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. 
By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of, his son, of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So by faith, each of these guys blessed another group of people. You have Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, blessed his sons, Jacob and Esau. One of those sons, Jacob, then blessed when he was dying, his son, Joseph, and Joseph's children. And then when Joseph was dying, he, we're going to look at it in a minute, he blesses his brothers. And so you have each of these guys blessing somebody else. But if you notice at the beginning of each of those verses, the blessing comes from their faith. By faith, they blessed. But what does faith have to do with blessing? You have to have faith to be a blessing, to have a blessing, to give a blessing. Well, let's go back and look at the specific passages of Scripture that are being referenced here. You know, starting with Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau. This is in Genesis chapter 27. And you're welcome to flip there. It'll also be on the screen as well. Gen all the way back in Genesis 27. So Isaac is, is going to be blessing. We're going to look at Isaac blessing Jacob. Isaac blessing Jacob. Now, what's interesting is in this scenario, Jacob is not being the most honest person in the world. He's actually lying to his father in order to receive this blessing. But the issue isn't that. The issue is in what Isaac says in the blessing. Uh, Genesis 27, starting in verse 28. Isaac says this, May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now, when I was initially studying this, that last sentence jumped out at me. Cursed be everyone who curses you, blessed be everyone who blesses you. Because that is a repeat of something God said back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. God saying basically that verse to Abraham. Uh, in speaking about future generations. Cursed be anyone who curses you. Blessed be everyone who blesses you. God says, I will bless everyone who blesses you. But what, So what Isaac is doing in that last sentence, he's repeating the words of God to his sons, Jacob. He's saying, he's using God's words to bring encouragement to Jacob in this blessing. But it's also interesting to note, and we're going to see it in, further in just a minute, notice something in, in those words that he says there. Let people serve you. So let service happen. It's implied as well. Let you be Lord over your brothers. May your mother's sons bow down to you. But that last sentence is used almost you know, as more certain. Let these other things happen. But in that last sentence, but cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. He doesn't say let people be cursed or may people be blessed. He makes an absolute statement. It will happen. Because he's saying the words of God there in that last sentence. And so it's almost as though those first few phrases, let people do this, uh, may your mother's sons bow down to you, it's almost as though that, that is a prayer he's offering, prayer request he's offering to God of a father to a son. 
And then in saying, praying as well, in the same line of thinking, those, that last sentence is he's praying the words of God, which is an absolute certainty. So he's making prayer requests, he's praying, and he's speaking the words of God over his son. So Isaac's blessing on Jacob is a father's very specific and very spoken prayer for his son. But let's go further before we dive in a little, little deeper here. Uh, a few chapters later, uh, Jacob, at the end of his life, remember Jacob received this blessing from his father, Isaac. At the end of his life, Jacob blesses his son, Joseph. He has Joseph bring in his two sons, Manasseh and uh, Ephraim, and uh, uh, Jacob puts his hands on their heads. Actually, he crosses his hands and puts his right hand on the younger son and his left hand on the older son. That's a message for another time. But he brings them in. Uh, Joseph brings them in. He puts his hands on their heads, and he blesses Joseph and these boys. This is in Genesis 48, verse 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, Bless the boys, and in them let my, let my name be carried on. So let this happen. And the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So actually in the Hebrew, this is the same form of the verb. I know school doesn't start till tomorrow, but we're going to talk about the form of the verb here. That's the same form of the verb that Isaac was using, using when talking to Jacob and saying, let this happen, may this happen. It's the same form of the verb. So he, he's offering this prayer in speaking to Joseph in the same way Isaac was praying when speaking over Jacob. So it's a father's, son, or a father's prayer for his son. But that's not all that... Jacob says. He offers this as a prayer, but further on in his prayer, he says this, uh, starting in verse 20. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as if Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, that's Jacob's other name, Israel, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Now, look at the words in that sentence. He doesn't say, let this happen. He doesn't say, may this happen. Again, here, just like Isaac did, he's using a more certain language. God will do this. God will bring you, God will be with you and will bring you again into the land of your fathers. Now, Jacob knows this, but uh, we're going to look at, in, in Genesis 46, when God actually says this to Jacob, but God actually also said this all the way back to Abraham in Genesis 15. But he says it to Jacob, so Jacob's actually speaking the words of God. We're going to look at Genesis 46, verses 3 and 4. God says this to Jacob. God says, I am God, the God of your fathers. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation, I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. And Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So what Jacob said to Joseph was, God's going to go with you. God's going to be with you all the while you're, you're here in Egypt. 
But then God's going to bring you out of Egypt. He's prophesying. He's speaking over them being taken into slavery, and then he's speaking over the Exodus, them coming out of slavery. But notice again, just like with what Isaac uh, blessed his son with, a prayer and God's words, Jacob's doing the same thing. He's offering prayer and God's words to his son, Joseph. And God's words, you know, word for word, it's what God said, and he's repeating it, speaking it over his son. He's very free in offering God's words and hoping to to bring strength and encouragement to to his son and the succeeding generations in the days to come. But then Joseph gets to the end of his life. So we've seen Isaac at the end of his life bless his son with prayer and God's word. We've seen uh, his son uh, uh, Jacob at the end of his life bless with prayer and God's word. And now Joseph at the end of his life, look what he says. This is in Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph said to his brothers, verse 24, I am about to die, but God will visit you and will bring you out of this land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So now Joseph's blessing to his brothers was to repeat the words of God to, to bring confirmation and encouragement to them. So these blessings that were mentioned back in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at that again. Uh, it's not some veiled prophetic hope that they're speaking over uh, those they're, they're with, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, Joseph to his brothers. It's not just hopeful words they're throwing out there. They're offering a prayer, yes, but they're also speaking the words of God of absolute certainty of what is to come. So let's read it again, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Verse 20, so by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So each one of these three blessings did two things came from two things. They are two things. The first, these blessings are prayers. They're not just any prayers either. According to Scripture, they are prayers that are offered in faith. Like I said, each one of those verses starts with, by faith, this blessing came. By faith, they prayed a blessing. So this is a faith-filled prayer, each one of them offering this to uh, those that they're speaking over. Faith prayers. By faith, they prayed, offered prayers in faith. And actually, James, the brother of Jesus, speaks those words, a prayer of faith. In James chapter 5, verse 15, James writes, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here's the kicker. The prayer of a righteous person a saved person, has great power as it is working. So a prayer of faith, that's James' words, that's the words that are used in Hebrews chapter 11, demonstrating what we just read in the book of Genesis. A prayer of faith has great power as it is working through the mouth of a believer. Great power as it is working. God can do phenomenal things through each and every one of us. 
If we're willing to be used by God, we will see God do things we never thought possible. We'll see his hand move in our lives. Maybe not in the way we would have anticipated, the way we would have thought, but God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are always better than our ways. But a prayer of faith has great power as it is working. And think about that for a second. Those are words written by James, the brother of Jesus. Think of growing up with your siblings. Could you speak of your sibling now in that same way? The way James did of his brother. You pray to my brother, and he's going to do great things. No, absolutely not. Some of you are thinking, no, I'm the favorite, so you don't want to pray to one of them. But somewhere along the line, James believed in Jesus as the Son of God. We know from Scripture that before Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus' siblings weren't totally on board. They kind of thought he was a little crazy. But then Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them, showed himself to them. And James became so fervent in his belief that he pastored the church in Jerusalem, the home church, pointing everyone to his brother, Jesus. You want to get saved? You want to go to heaven? You've got to believe in Jesus, his death, his resurrection. And so James writes those words, praying to Jesus has great power as it is working. And Scripture speaks a lot about prayer. God always hears our prayers. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, how do you know God's will? Spend time with him. How do you know what God's will is? Well, you hear from him. You hear from him by spending time with him, investing time with him, recognizing his voice as he speaks to you. So if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Whatever he hears, he answers. Similarly, it said in John chapter 14, from the mouth of Jesus. Uh, John 14, verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask me anything in my name, that's another promise. I will do it. Now, some use this verse as justification to name it and claim it for everything. And some will say, that's why we say at the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name, amen, to like put a stamp on it. Like, it's got Jesus' name on it, so it's all good. But when Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, the idea isn't just, just a magic phrase that you tack on the end of any request. The idea is asking anything that will bring him glory. It's the same idea that John wrote about in 1 John 5, asking it according to his will. Asking it in his name, it's something that brings him glory. It's something that brings him honor. And if it's according to his will, it will do that, bring him honor. If you ask anything according to my name, I will do it. Now, it doesn't mean we should stop saying in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers. I tell you, for a number of years, I did that very same thing. I put that stamp of approval on there. It's like, okay, I'm obeying Scripture, using it almost like 
like the law, like the, the, the law of Scripture. If I say it, like it's a checkbox, that's one thing i got to put in there. You know, i got to say, dear Lord, at the beginning, and i got to say, in your name, at the end, and amen. If I don't say amen, then the prayer never ends, and it's not a real prayer if I don't say amen. But that's not what he's talking about. I say, in your name, at the end of my prayers, and speaking to Jesus, as a reminder to me. As a reminder to me that this prayer is in Jesus' name. This isn't some flippant thing that I should be tossing up to the Lord. This needs to be in reverence. This needs to be in honor. This needs to be in glory. This is, is helping me to remember this is in Jesus' name. This isn't just some words that I'm speaking. This is for real. And so I, I'm saying this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Help me remember I'm, I'm speaking to Almighty God. And if it's according to his will, if it's bringing him glory, then it's in his name. Then it's honoring him. Then he will hear it and he will answer it. And the closer I get to the Lord, the more I understand his will. And the more I understand his will, the more I pray according to his will. In his will. In his name. And so we have those guarantees from Scripture. And we can also know from the words of Jesus that when he answers our prayer and gives uh, uh, in response to prayer, his gifts are good. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 if then you are evil, sinful human beings, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Another scripture says you do not have because you do not ask. We ask of the Lord, seeking his will, seeking his intervention to help Align our hearts. Just help bring him glory. But there's many cases in our lives in this fallen, broken, sinful world that restitution, resolution, help can only come when he intervenes directly with his hand. That doesn't mean he's going to intervene exactly as we want every time. Because I don't know about you, I know about me, that when I pray, I'm praying, hoping for God's intervention, in faith for God's intervention, but my heart is also very sinful. And so what I'm offering up, and what I see as, as the perfect resolution to the situation that I want God to intervene in, it's coming from a place of a sinful heart and a sinful mind. And only perfect God knows the perfect way. And I have to resign at the end of the day, will I trust the Lord with the answer, no matter what it is? Kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before they get tossed in the fiery furnace, they say, we have absolute faith God will deliver us from your hand. And then they say those great words, but even if not, he is still supreme. He is still worthy of praise. Even if the resolution isn't what I think it should be, praise Jesus. And then they were tossed in the fiery furnace. And God brought them out. But God's answer is not always the same for everybody. 
And we have to say, will I, as those three verses in Hebrews 11 started, will I still live by faith? Even when things don't turn out like I want. Because if I live only happy when things turn out like I want, then I'm living by my wants and not by my faith. And if I'm going to live by faith, then I have to trust God in everything. Even Jesus in the garden, kneeling down, moments before arrest, hours before crucifixion, said if there's any other way, any other way besides crucifixion, but I know your will. Will you trust the Lord with what is yet to come as you pray in faith for whatever you're praying for? And so this experience of these people here, prayer is powerful. Prayer is phenomenally powerful. As Isaac prayed for Jacob, as Jacob prayed for Joseph, as Joseph prayed, offering that encouragement to his brothers, prayer does great things because of with whom prayer is communicating. Prayer is not powerful because of how many words we use. Prayer is not powerful because we use special words or because we use, you know, $20 words. They used to be $2 words, but now it's inflation, so it's a lot more. Prayer is not powerful because of how many times we say, oh, Jesus, in the prayer. Prayer is not powerful because of who we get to pray for us. Prayer is powerful because of God, period. Prayer is powerful because of God, not because of me. I do believe prayer is a spiritual gift, and some people have it. Uh, We should all be praying, just like evangelism is a spiritual gift, but all of us should be evangelizing, telling people about Jesus. But prayer is powerful, not because of the individual who's doing it. Prayer is powerful because of the one they're communicating with, God. Because God is powerful. I'm not powerful. My words aren't powerful. God is powerful. God is powerful. So prayer is powerful all because of God. And we have to remember that faith, faith is trusting God. In the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, faith and trust are the exact same word. The exact, they are the same word. So if we're going to have faith in God, we have to trust God. So by praying in faith, by, by praying in faith, I am completely trusting God that God will handle it in his time, in his way, however he wants to. And I'm going to walk with him no matter what. By faith, Isaac prayed. By faith, Jacob prayed. By faith, Joseph prayed. Prayer has great potential to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our trust as it conforms our own hearts to the heart of God, And the more our heart is more like God's, the more we will trust him, and the greater our faith will be. So these blessings of, of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22, that these guys speak, these blessings are first of all prayers, but as we saw, secondly, they're also the words of God. All three of those guys, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, spoke the words of God to those they were speaking over. They prayed the words of God. Of God, They repeat the words of God as, as reminders and encouragement to those listening. But 
Because God's word never fails to bless. God's word never fails to bless. You know, I heard it this morning. I was, I was listening to a sermon this morning from the great Adrian Rogers. And uh, he reminded me of this verse um, in speaking of the power of God. He told the story uh, of the great evangelist from the late 1800s, D.L. Moody, uh, who saw hundreds of thousands of people get saved. But he was an uneducated man who was begging God for more faith. He would beg God every day, God, give me more faith. God, I need, God if I'm going to do this thing you've set before me, I've got to have more faith. And he's reading scripture and he's studying scripture. And he gets to this verse in Romans. It's not on the, on the notes, Tony, because I added it this morning. I, I pinned it in my notes, so it's not there. Uh, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. He came across this verse and God said, here is the recipe for more faith. Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. More faith comes from the words of God. And so what D.L. Moody did at that point then is he began to pour himself into scripture. Pour himself in. So that he, uh, it was said of him by, by a biographer of his uh, that you know, 99 Christians out of 100 are merely playing at Bible study. 99, and as a result, 99 out of 100 Christians are mere weaklings, is what he says. And so he poured himself in so that God could use him in a phenomenal way, and God did. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. The word of God never fails to bless, ever. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. Whereas the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So my word that goes out of my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Does my, my word will accomplish the purpose that I'm putting out there. Hey, Tony, go back to verse 10. I want to show you that beginning part there. For as the rain and snow come down, I had this thought the other day, standing at our sink, looking out. Uh, we have this apple tree out past our fence. And a few months ago, these apples were growing on this apple tree. They were, they were small, and they were, you could then look out from the house, and you could see them at that point, because they were big enough. You could see them growing. Well, a few weeks ago, I looked out, and I didn't see any apples. And I went down there, um, I mowed a week or so ago, and we were talking out there about the, the uh, mowing. I'm one of the few uh, of the guys who were standing there who uh, is almost happy that it hasn't been raining because that means I don't have to mow as often. Uh, but uh, it's almost dead, but I know some rain's coming later in the week and it's going to shoot up again, so I've got to crank that mower back up. But I was mowing out there the other day, and I drove past that apple tree, and I got off the mower and I went and looked. There wasn't one apple on the apple tree. Not even one. I mean, I, I, I looked up in the top, the top branches because I thought maybe the deer were coming and eating them because they'd done that in the past. But even the apples that were in the top, were, they weren't there anymore. They were gone. All the fruit that had been starting to grow wilted and fell off because there hadn't been any rain. 
The tree wasn't getting what it needed for nourishment to produce fruit. And so because it wasn't getting what it needed for nourishment, the fruit was gone. God's word, right there, the rain and snow come down and water the earth just the same way God's word waters us, nourishes us. Fruit will not be produced without God's word within our lives. God's word never fails to bless, never fails to bless, always blesses. Faithful blessing, what we've seen from these guys acting in faith, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph speaking these words, praying these words. Faithful blessing comes through prayer and scripture. Faithful blessing comes through prayer and scripture, both useful, both powerful, used together, unstoppable. Faithful blessing comes through prayer and scripture. And if you've never prayed scripture before, I would encourage you to do it. There's going to be some, several times this week we're actually going to go live on, on Facebook and YouTube, uh, possibly Instagram too, if we can get that finagled. Um, and we're going to pray scripture this week. So be subscribed and be liking it so you can find it and, and check it out. But praying scripture combines those things. We do what they actually did. Those guys we just looked at, they were praying scripture. Faithful blessing comes through prayer and scripture. But the struggle sometimes comes when we talk about God's blessing. When in our own selfish minds, and again, I'm chief among those, I'm, I'm at the front of the line on this one, is more often than not, we try to figure out how to have a blessed life for ourselves how to be blessed, how I can receive the blessing. But what we see spoken of is the inverse of that, how to be a blessing, how to bless others. We see that in the life of these guys, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. They are, are, are praying and speaking scripture to be a blessing to those around them. By faith, they blessed through prayer and through scripture. Faithful blessing comes through prayer and scripture. And so our efforts would be better applied rather than seeking a blessing for ourselves. Our, our, our efforts would be better applied in blessing others through spoken prayer and spoken scripture. Yes, we should be praying in our prayer closet, closing the door and praying, uh, you, you know, using the words from, um, oh, what's that great movie, the Kendrick Brothers, uh, War Room. The, the pra- it, it, it's like it's baked in the walls, the prayers. Uh, if you've ever seen that, you've got to see it. It's phenomenal. Uh, at the end of the movie, this guy comes in the house and he says he can feel the prayers like it's baked in the walls. Uh, that, that prayer is, is powerful when we do it alone and singular, yes. But what we've seen with each one of these people we've looked at here in Hebrews chapter 11, commended for their faith, they spoke it out loud. Their prayer and the word of God. They spoke it out loud. And those they were speaking it over, those they were praying for, it says in Hebrews 11, we're blessed. So here's a challenge for you. You say, man, I don't pray good out loud. I don't speak good. I, you know, I don't do none of that stuff. Well, I don't know if you noticed the words of those guys when we look back in Genesis. They all said they started their prayer as they're speaking to their kids. I'm dying. And again, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who's on their deathbed, moments from death. They don't speak all that well either. 
but it can still be a blessing. You don't have to speak with the most eloquent words, as I said a minute ago. God knows your heart. God gave you your personality. God gave you your words and your brain to, to, to work through what to say next. You're not going to impress God by saying certain things, saying it in a special way. Just be honest and be transparent because you're speaking with God, your creator. So here's the challenge for this week. Two challenges. Number one, pray with somebody out loud this week. Find, some, find somebody, pray with them out loud. Number two, speak scripture out loud to somebody this week. Now, you can text it to them. I mean, I've gotten texts before that were scripture that came, and it inevitably always comes at just the right moment, just the right moment. So you can, that's the challenge. Find somebody this week, pray over them out loud, speak scripture over them. Or if you want to go the advanced route, you're an advanced Christian, you know, you, you're higher than, you know, you want to kick it up a notch. Find somebody every day. Find somebody every day. I guarantee you, if you just go to the gas station or go to the store, you're going to bump into somebody who needs this every day this week. Find somebody. Be intentional about it, too. You say, well, I don't get out enough. Well, instead of buying everything at Walmart today, just spread it out over a few days. Be purposeful in finding somebody. Like walk into the store with your eyes like roaming. Okay, I'm looking for them. Like you're looking around like that. People are going to look at you funny, but you're looking. You find them down there. Oh, I got you. And I'm coming. You find somebody and pray over them and speak over them. You say it's weird. Like going to the store and you pray. I've done it. Prayed over somebody in the produce section. You say, man, you're the preacher. You're supposed to be doing stuff like that. It doesn't make it less awkward. Praying there next to the bananas and the chicken. It still is what it is. Find somebody and pray over them. Find somebody, speak scripture over them. One person a week, be a little more advanced, find somebody every day. And look, just, just watch at the end of this week, once you've done this, see what God's done in that person's life and in yours as a result of this. You know, I'm about to uh, do, I'm gonna do this for you right now as well. I'm going to speak scripture over the room, and I'm going to pray. But for somebody specific, I'm going to speak some scripture over you. A scripture that God gave me, uh, you know, a week ago. And I had, it, I had it in my notes for my sermon last week. God said, hang off for the next week. So whether you're in the room or online, here it is. Because somewhere within the sound of my voice is somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. The right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And you may have been arguing with God for a while, saying, you know what, uh, getting to know Jesus, okay, cool, whatever. I'll do that someday when, so -and -so, when I get so-and-so in the room. When they show up, I'm going to do it then. But Paul didn't say, someday is the day of salvation. Paul didn't say tomorrow is the day of salvation. He didn't say next Sunday is the day of salvation. He didn't say Labor Day weekend when there's less people here. That's the day of salvation. He said today is the day of salvation. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. 
Come to know Jesus today. Come to Jesus today. Find the blessing, find the peace, find the strength, find salvation in Jesus today. And it's not a series, just like the prayer we talked about, it's not a series of magic words, it's not a series of big words, it's simple belief. Believing that Jesus is God's son. Believing that he died so all your sins would be forgiven. Believing that he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. You believe those three things, you're saved. Period. End of sentence. There's no extra things you got to do. There's no stuff you do tomorrow that can undo that decision. You're saved for all time. Forever. So will you believe in Jesus today? Will you come to Jesus today?